Hello, everyone, and welcome to In Depth with Seth and Beth, a weekly podcast of Plymouth Congregational Church in which we take a deeper dive into what we heard on Sunday morning. Today, we are talking about the sermon, How Do We Prepare?, which was preached by my esteemed colleague, Seth Patterson. Esteemed? Esteemed, indeed. On December 13th, and Seth used as his preaching text what we often refer to as the Magnificat, which is from the first chapter of the book of Luke, verses 46 through 55. And this is also known as the Song of Mary, Mary's declaration to the world after she is visited by the angel and told what to expect uh, and that she will be expecting in the months to come. So hello, Seth. Hello. Thank you. I am Seth Patterson. I'm the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth. And uh, yeah, I preached Thursday that was heard yesterday. And I should introduce myself too, because I didn't. I'm Beth Hoffman Faith. I'm the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth. And I'm always delighted to spend some time with my friend and colleague and to talk about what you wanted, what you hoped for in this sermon from yesterday. (laughs) In the full transparency of these podcasts um, and the vulnerability that sometimes goes with talking about these things and not just presenting it, walking it away, I think what I hoped that people would get from it was just something clear. I felt when it was preached, like I had really wrestled with this thing and tried to make sense out of what felt like a bunch of different ideas to me and how to put them together in something that might be understandable. And then Thursday morning came and I had to preach it. And it didn't feel, not that I felt badly about it, not that I felt it was poor, but I still felt like I wrestled it days after I preached it trying to figure out how I could have said things better. But in the odd way of things, I've preached sermons at Plymouth where I've thought, there, I'm saying something. And I'm met with complete silence. And then this one where I felt like, ah, I hope people hear something out of it. And I've heard from several people that they 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 did, that they made something meaningful. So I'm not sure what I hoped, hoped people would get other than something. Well, it's interesting. I think one of the most humbling pieces of preaching is that what we say or what we intend to say is not always what people hear. Right. And we really have little control over how people interpret what we, what we say. That's the beauty and the blessing and the little bit of the curse around preaching. I think that your sermon was quite meaningful. But I'd like to start even before the writing began and ask you how you prepared for this sermon, what influenced your theme and your thought Break it down for us, Seth. All right, I'll break it down. Part of it was these conversations with you um, on your sermon from the previous week really helped start to inform the questions that I had. I don't often go into sermons with answers, and I try often to not hand out answers, but rather ask questions and then give some direction. But I don't assume that my answers will be the ones for everybody. And so our conversation last week about Uh, your sermon about John the Baptist uh, was informative because I kept wondering, you talked a lot about preparing the way and people preparing the way for us. And I began to wonder, how do we prepare? I mean, that's one of those things that we might take for granted as a process. How is it that we prepare? Like I said in the sermon, my mother, my whole life has filled up 
tens of thousands of pages of yellow legal pads with with lists. That's how she prepares. My my wife is a is a verbal processor. She prepares by talking through it with me. I prepare by washing dishes, it feels like, because <laughs> that's when I really sort through things or taking the dog for a walk. So how do we prepare? What what does that look like? And then the Sunday forum from the previous week was with Dr. Darderi of the Brooklyn Park Islamic Center. He did a wonderful, wonderful forum on what Christians want to know about Islam or something similar to that. And in that conversation, we talked about Mary, and it was said out loud for the 70-plus people who were listening that maybe I should talk about Mary and Islam because Mary is very important in our sibling religion of Islam. And so with the question of how do we prepare, and also this thing that was sort of put upon me, not that I'm against it, but I don't know if that's what I would have done otherwise about Mary and Islam. That's where I started with those two different streams of thought. Mm. And then I had this experience about an exploding bottle of cherry liqueur that felt like it needed to be part of it somehow, but I didn't know how to put these three things together. And so can you talk about how they did fall into place for you? I really focused on the question, how do we prepare? And then which started to get mixed up in my head with how do we begin? And trying to figure out what the difference was between those two things, what is beginning and what is preparing. And also knowing that there is a habit of many people to prepare for so much time and prepare, try to prepare for every eventuality that they never begin and not really wanting to do have that conversation, but also note that was in the back of my head. I thought it was interesting in your sermon that what wasn't talked about is what one might be preparing for. This to me was a sermon about process, but not necessarily about outcome. Right. And do you think that it's important for one to know what they're preparing for? Yes. And we are all preparing for a lot of things always at the same time. Right. And I suppose my, my want was for people to look at themselves and start to determine what is their own process and where do they get caught in the process? Do they stop taking in new information because they're preparing and they're going to prepare with what they knew two weeks ago, whether they've learned something new or not? Or do they prepare with everything they've ever known and never let anything go? How do we prepare? Title of the sermon. And that was that was my question. And I, I did not have an answer other than we're constantly preparing and it requires addition and subtraction. Yes. And you, you do talk about that in your sermon, but before we get there, I want to, <laughs> I want to talk a bit about um, the, the Mary piece, because while not talked a lot about in your sermon, you were certainly lifting up, you know, Mary is this essential part of the Christmas narrative and moving towards Christmas using the words of, of her song as the, the preaching text. And then, of course, lifting up the honoring of Mary in Islam. But Mary's also becomes kind of a model for us of how to prepare, perhaps yeah. um, by what we know. I wonder... I was especially intrigued by your uh, comments on her place in Islam, and it made me ask the question to myself, what what can Christians learn from the Islamic view of Mary? And that's what I wanted you to ask, and I don't have an answer, because I think there's a lot we can learn, and it depends on where we start from, how we already conceive of Islam and Mary. So for me to tell you what you can learn is would be a false answer, but rather, what does it mean to whatever you think about Islam and whatever you think about Mary, 
to know that those two things are so inextricably in entwined in a way that when we sit within Christianity, we rarely think about. Whether we proclaim a Christian superiority or not, we often, when we only sit in one faith, we assume that it is sort of the singular answer. And then to have something complicate this, like Mary being talked about more in the Quran than in the Bible, what does that do? What does that do to you? Well, and if we as Christians want to sort of claim Mary as you know, the mother of God, the mother of Jesus, and that, that then she's ours, what does it mean when we realize that she has more focus in the Quran than she does in the Christian scriptures? Exactly. That's the question. I think and it also a... helps us remember that Islam is rooted in prophecy, and Jesus is one of the primary, most revered prophets of all time. Muhammad was the last prophet, but there were many prophets recognized beforehand. And while Mary was not a prophet, she was seen as the, due to her faith and her ability to sort of take what God gave her, was seen as ideal. Hmm. And does that then wind its way into an understanding of how to prepare? It continues asking the question hmm. of how do we prepare? What do you do with that new, potentially new set of knowledge, or if you knew it, to be reminded of it, what does it mean when we hear the Christmas story this year and we talk about Mary to now know that Mary holds this, essentially sits in a holy seat in a religion that we don't call our own? What does that mean for understanding the religion, Mary, and our story? This is more of a sermon about questions than answers. Right, which I sometimes think the best sermons are, indeed. And also, I think stretching us a little bit on that Mary isn't just this sort of placeholder in our nativity scene, uh, that <laughs> the significance of Mary and the response of Mary, there's so many lessons. If we spend some time with Mary's narrative in the New Testament, I think we might glean some new understandings every year. I mean, Mary, I have preached on Mary before and have been really surprised when people will say to me, I've never heard a sermon about Mary before. Yeah. I, I think we take Mary for granted, <laughs> personally. Or we think that, you know, if we talk about Mary too much, that's sort of a Catholic thing. Um, right. And we have a different focus. But a large part of your theory on how to prepare is in this piece about letting go. Yeah. You know, part of the work of preparation is letting go, you said. Can you talk a little bit about how, was that something that you held on to when you approached the sermon or within the preparing for the sermon, is that something that became more clear? And can you say more about that? It was the concept that linked all these, what felt disparate to me at the beginning of the process. The concept of letting go is what linked them together. And it's something that I find that I preach on a lot. And I think we do at Plymouth is this concept of needing to let go. Um, not because we are telling you what to let go of, but rather to hold things with a firm grip is not useful or helpful or healthy. And I read something in a Zen book that was about preparation. And the first thing it said about preparing in a Zen framework was let go of all your preconceived notions. Let go of what you think you know and look at it up front. And I didn't name Zen in this only because I didn't want to complicate the narrative by bringing in a different framework. Rather, I, I borrowed this idea of letting go and, and found it useful. 
But how true is that? I mean, if we are preparing for something, the implication is that we're getting ready to take something new on in, bring in something new and different. And I don't know how we do that well if we aren't willing to first let something go. I tell my children all the time, there's only so much space in my brain to remember all the things that I'm supposed to remember. And because sometimes they get irritated with me that I haven't remembered what they told me that was, you know, essential and important. And part of that is because I haven't let go of the things that I don't really need in there anymore, which is the intention of this Advent season. We're getting ready to, for the birth of something new, for however we might interpret the Christmas story, you know, the birth of something new, the advent of an infant that came to change the world. How can we possibly do that if we are going to carry all our stuff with us right. along the way? Which I mean, is, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that there's a, a stereotype about Minnesotans and I not having not grown up here and moved here as an adult have found to be sort of true, which is Minnesotans are really nice, but they have no space for you in their life because they're not mm -hmm. going to let go of that childhood friend or that cousin, or that person, whether they like them or not, they're not going to let go of that person in their life to make room for you. So that just illustrates the idea that if you're going to welcome something new into your life, like a newborn hope, what do you have to let go of to let it in? Yeah, to make the space necessary. Yeah. And in this time of pandemic, lessons keep arising. If we try to stay the course of what has always been, we're only going to be disappointed right now because yeah. what has always been can't be. So how do we let go of some of that in order for something new to be born? And and you name it, you talk about it as being adaptable. In order to be adaptable, we have to kind of juggle these things, right? Preparing yeah. for something new while letting go of something old. It's It's hard. And in the microcosm of our own community, we're seeing that right now, in order to welcome in Duane, as our new lead minister, we have to let go of Paula, our current lead minister. And it's not like we're looking forward to getting rid of her. It's loss and it's mm. hard. And we kind of, we, I, you and I talk a lot about how it seems as if we're trying to do both at the same time. We're trying to both welcome while hold on. And that's mm. gets really, that gets uncomfortable and sometimes painful. Whereas we have to go through the process of letting go of Paula in order to welcome in Dwayne. That is a beautiful illustration and so very true indeed. So now that the sermon has been preached and you're still pondering, <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking now in terms of preparation? Or what is a hope that you might have for people who have yet to maybe hear the sermon or who are pondering that themselves? Now that the words have been put out there, what might you hope that people would continue to think about? This sounds like such an insufficient answer, but I have found it very meaningful in the last nine days or so to think about this concept. Something, like I said at the beginning, that we just, we take for granted. We prepare for a thing and we do it. But really, what does that mean? And I've found it meaningful to my own sense of place in the world and with all the many things we're beginning and ending all the time, but also in very big ways, like a new presidency a new series of violent encounters in places, a um, our own microcosm of Plymouth with the incoming and outgoing lead minister. I find that just thinking about it has been really meaningful. So I, I think I just want people to put some energy into thinking about it. 
without any answers, because if we think about it, we'll come to something. We'll make meaning out of it somehow. But if we continue to ignore it or just think that it's a thing we do, then we're missing an opportunity. Well, and if we, again, tie it back to the Magnificat, then I know that one of the things I've been thinking about since hearing you preach and ruminating on this sermon is what what song are we preparing to sing? Hmm. Mary's song is is this beautiful response to what God has asked her to do. What song are we preparing to sing? I think that's a gift of, of Advent as well, as we get ready for lots of things that are new. And I guess in a very practical way, I do hope people take this information about Mary and Islam into our cultural Islamophobia, where mm. whether the person is themselves Islamophobic or not, or ignorant of Islam or not, that they take that in and, and become curious about it. A good seed to plant and one in which to end this podcast on. So thank you, Seth, for something to think about. Uh, (laughs) Gratitude to Laura Caviani for providing the music for this podcast and Mark Copenhaver, who edits out all of our ums and ahs (laughs) and pauses. (laughs) Oh, no, it's perfect every time, friends. It's perfect every time. (laughs) It is such a blessing to talk with you, Seth. and And to you. And to our listeners, may your time of preparation be filled with the touchstones of this season, which include hope and peace and joy and love. Goodbye, everyone.